This episode of Australian Gothic is recorded on unceded Ngunnawal, Ngambri, Yegara, Turrbal and Kwandamooka lands. A content warning, there will be discussion of police violence, some sexual content and also the names of First Nations people who are deceased. Hello and welcome to Australian Gothic. It's a hot evening at the end of summer in Sydney in the 90s and you, dear listener, are a young queer person who has come to see the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras for the first time. You are standing in the crowd along Oxford Street when you hear the roar of engines and you see the infamous dykes on bikes leading the parade. At the front of the dykes on bikes, you see a particularly severe looking muscular woman dressed entirely in leather with a short, no nonsense haircut, revving her motorbike to make sure the small group of right wing protesters don't get any ideas. It's Josie. Hi, Josie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I. I am so happy that you put me in dykes on bikes. That's where I've always wanted to be. <laughs> Yay! Okay. Further down the parade lineup is a group of extremely muscled young men dancing in unison to a Kylie Minogue song, wearing nothing but very tight golden shorts and a lot of body oil and glitter. One of them blows you a kiss. It's Lucas! Hi, Lucas! Hi, hi. I, w- I thought you were going to like pull a trick there and be like, haha, no, it's me, Jules. And I know I was going to be like the parade guard, but uh, hell yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm bopping out to it. Uh, which, which Kylie songs? Um, it's the late 90s. You know what? I want to say, let's go old school. Let's go locomotion. Like really <laughs> Amazing. <toy>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You'll possibly, maybe you're all like moving as some part of a train. You know, it's oh yes, high camp. All have whistles. <laughs> I have a like a, an old timey locomotive conductors conductors hat. Beautiful, yeah, that would work. Sir, top him hat. Is that anything? Yes, yes, <clears throat> it is. It's everything. <laughs> the crowd boos excitedly as a giant paper mache head moves slowly down the road on a truck bed. The head is as big as a fully grown adult, and the mouth is open and terrifying. You recognise the face of one of Australia's most controversial public figures. It's me, Jules! (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Jules. (laughs) Hi! This episode is part one of a two-parter on the Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras. Shall I explain to you what Mardi Gras is? Please do. Um, I guess I'll give a bit of a... um... I'll just let you know where I'm at. I know barely anything about Australian queer history, so I am sitting and listening eagerly. Wonderful. Likewise, I I really I I know some grim stuff, sadly, but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, but other than that, yeah, I I really don't know all that much. I skimmed, you know, I know '78 is roughly when Mardi Gras kicked off, and uh, but that's that's broadly all I know, really. Well, don't worry, you're both gonna get a giant history lesson today um, on one of my favorite topics which is gay shit (laughs) the sydney gay and lesbian mardi gras is a huge lgbtqia plus festival and um i think for the rest of the podcast i'm going to use the word queer as an all-inclusive term for that held every year in Sydney. Celebrations and events run for more than a month these days with art exhibitions, conferences, a big family-friendly fair day, parties, and a huge parade down Oxford Street. And it is organized and run by the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras Committee. 
as Lucas said, it, it did start in 1978. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the very first event in 1978 because it's sort of, it's quite important for kind for the history of this. And oh, I will say this is, this is part one of a two-parter about this. And we're, today we're going to be covering largely like the history from about 1978 up until around 2010. And then mm -hmm. the next episode will be Mardi Gras over the last decade or so, because I, I, it's hard to find sort of the perfect line to cut these two off, but that sort of felt like a, a sort of a useful time when I was doing my research. Um, Isn't it also yeah, safe right. to say that in the last decade, uh, there has been, you know, just maybe it's just because I've been paying more attention to like, you know, the, the queer community or, you know, the LGBT plus community. Uh, it's been kind of a, an odd 10 years, hasn't it? Yeah, and, and that's sort of what we'll we'll go into. Like, this is, today, this is this, like, historical Mardi Gras, the kind of, I guess some of it is the golden years of it. And it's changed in ways over the last decade that are quite controversial, and I'm, I'm very excited to talk about that as well. All right, so the first ever Mardi Gras was held on the 24th of June, 1978, which was the Saturday closest to the 28th of June, which is the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots in New York. Uh, and so this was, which, and the Stonewall Riots are kind of considered to be like the beginning of the modern queer liberation movement. And for, for like a lot of the second half of the 20th century, a lot of queer liberation movements around the world um, borrowed very heavily from Stonewall and were very inspired by it. So this was this was nine years after Stonewall. At the time, it was supposed to be a whole day festival promoting various things, including the decriminalization of homosexuality. There were public meetings and it ended, it was going to end in a march from Taylor Square up to Hyde Park in the city. I will just talk a little bit about the decriminalization of homosexuality in Australia, because that's quite important, historically speaking. So this is, yeah, we're talking 70, 1978 here. In 1973, the Whitlam government, which was the federal government, uh, passed a non-binding support motion in favor of decriminalizing homosexuality. Hmm. Um, yep, because, de uh, non-binding because it was a state's issue, not a yeah. federal one. South Australia was the first state to decriminalise in 1975, the ACT was in 1976, Victoria in 1980, Northern Territory in 1983, New South Wales in 1984, WA in 1989, Queensland in 1990, and Tasmania coming in right at the back in 1997. Fucking Christ. I knew they yeah. were the last, but come on. Not yeah. as bad as um, Tassie. Yay. Oh, God. Yeah, come on, guys. So at the time in 1978, when this kicked off, it w homosexuality was only decriminalised in South Australia and the ACT. And hmm. this was in, in Sydney, so in New South Wales. There were a few floats at this parade led by a truck that had a sound system on the back that was playing music. People were walking down Oxford Street and shouting chants like, out of the bars and into the streets, which was a Stonewall mm. chant uh, yeah. to encourage people who, you know, who were at the pubs nearby to come out and join them. And a lot of people did. The march when it started had about a few hundred people 
more and more people joined in. So it started about 10 p.m. in Taylor Square and wow. more and more people joined in to the point where when they got to Hyde Park, there were around 1,500, which Fuck. is a big deal. That's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was in a very gay area of Sydney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, an inner city, and there would have been a lot of people out. And so some of them, I think were just having a good time, but, you know, I think generally supportive. Yes. While they were marching down the street, police started harassing the lead float <laughs> in particular. And when it started and when it stopped at Hyde Park in the city, they arrested the driver, who was a man named Lance Gowland, and they confiscated his sound system. The now fifteen hundred protesters and revelers diverted up William Street towards King's Cross. And uh yeah. Yeah, King's Cross is where the police violence really, really kicked off. They they swooped in, they arrested 53 protesters uh, who were taken to Darlinghurst Police Station overnight, and uh, we know that many of them were violently beaten. There are re- like reports of people talking about how they could hear their friends being beaten in other stalls. Um, oh, yeah. A huge crowd was outside the police station by this point. They were um, they were chanting things like stop police attacks on gays, women and blacks, which was, again, another Stonewall chant. Protest, there were lawyers in the crowd who started working p- with people to raise bail money. Amazing. Yeah, like it's, 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 there's beautiful aspects of this. It's really interesting to see how, you know, despite all the fucking reforms we do, Protest and cops will always be the same. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like, there's aspects of this where I'm like, this was, what, nearly 50 years ago. Fucking hell. Same old shit. Yeah. So, the next morning, and, like, uh, Josie, you're about to be so mad. The names and addresses of the 53 people who were arrested uh... that night were published in the Sydney Morning Herald. Oh, no. Yep. And a great many of those people lost their jobs and housing. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is a something I read about, and yeah, fucking pigs. So, who, sorry, who published that? The Sydney Morning Herald. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah um, the, main, the main newspaper for Sydney. And I don't, I don't feel like this needs to be spelled out mm. to probably any of our mm-hmm. listeners, but it's really important to know that I know the 80s is usually considered, like, peak... Uh, violence against queer people in um, around Sydney, including murders. Um, but it was absolutely already happening um, at this point. Oh uh, yeah, I, hugely. Uh, like I won't until the certain family member dies. I won't say, but someone very close to me partook in the quote-unquote gay bashings um, uh, in the yeah. late seventies, and so the harm, like obviously, like losing their jobs and everything, but the like it literally endangered people to oh yeah publish. oh my god hugely hugely i also won't name names but yeah i've you've, a family friend of ours you know like at, at least seemed regretful of it but was just like yeah i've you know admitted that you know he would you know he and friends would like scope out you know cruising areas to you know it's hunting it's fucking oh. gross anyway sorry just yeah grim shit yeah, like it is. It's important to know that you know it's it's it wasn't just state violence against queers. No. It was everywhere, and mm-hmm. um, 
which is what happens when there's a group of people who are singled out particularly by the state as yes. dangerous, even when they're not. Yeah, so that is the very grim start of the Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, um, like all liberation movements. It sort of kicks off with a peaceful protest that is violently repressed and mm -hmm. like violently repressed to the point where I think it became harder for a lot of people to overlook that. Oh, you know, right. Cause it's very, very visible. Yeah. There was like, obviously, you know, I mean, people lost their jobs, people in power took people's rights away. Mm -hmm. um, this was still a time where you could be, institutionalized and given terrible at the time electroshock treatments if you were homosexual like it was really it's it's huge amounts of repression both like criminal and psychiatric so that's so that's the really grim shit um, yes yeah if you're if you're still with us i think it's important like i know I know that like we spoke about this Jules I know that we want to and like your intention is to center mm. a lot of like queer joy and resistance mm. but it is important to put it in context like this didn't just happen lightly what hopefully many queer people can experience today there were people who went through a lot of bullshit uh, for us to be able to to yeah live in relative safety uh yeah. Yeah. This is this Absolutely. is also probably going to provide important context for later on and like some of the stuff that uh, people in the modern you know movements are calling for an end to. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. When yeah. you yeah. understand the history of this, it's just like okay, yeah, yeah, those people should not be welcome at at the parade. Yeah, that's the thing. This is Mardi Gras started as both a protest and celebration. Both of those things are really, really important and they both need to continue. Like, queer people still face huge amounts of persecution, uh, depending on levels of privilege and intersectionality. Queer people face state persecution, bureaucratic persecution. There's, there's a lot of ways in which they are not, we are not necessarily able to access the same rights as non-queer people. Mm -hmm. And it's very important for queer movements to continue that that political protest and it doesn't mean it can't be fun it's always been fun and we're going to talk a lot about the fun <laughs> um but yeah i mean i guess obviously there were trans people along at these oh, yes. protests and, and marches but um i think a lot of the rhetoric that was used predominantly because trans people barely got a look in sort of lumped into it from my understanding and like there was a lot of moral panic around homosexuality but I feel like a lot of the same uh rhetoric and framing is just being used specifically towards trans people oh yeah hugely hugely it's all the same stuff yeah yeah and I think it's you know obviously there are people in the queer community who aren't supportive of trans people and it's just so insulting yeah yeah so that was 1978 mm -hmm. and in 1979 um Mardi Gras became a week-long festival, including a fair day, with dance parties ahead of time to raise money for the permits for the parade. Around 3,000 people attended the parade and there was a large police presence, but no arrests. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, something I forgot to mention is that 
So there are still a lot of people who were at, who took part in 78 and a number of people who were, who were arrested, still around, still alive. And uh, they are referred to as the 78ers and oh. they still march at Mardi Gras and they, they're like right up the front, hugely honoured position. That's they're, incredible. Yeah. They're our proper queer elders. And mm. yeah, so the next year, the Mardi Gras task force, task group, not task force, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm sure the Mardi Gras task force was formed, but it was an entirely different thing by a different yes. organization. Um, <laughs> and it was open, open to any gay man or lesbian who supports the idea of a gay festival in the streets of Sydney, either for political reasons or because they think it could be a lot of fun. Uh, perfect. Yeah. Um, and in this era, of course, so, they had to make sure that it was just like, no, no, as in like homosexual, not gay as in just Mary, which mm. is, you know, just what we say in the 70s. <laughs> General, Generally, Mary people are welcome too. <laughs> 79 and 80, they still had the protests, the, the parade in June on the, mm -hmm. um, the Stonewall anniversary. And in 1980, it was absolutely freezing because it was oh. the middle of winter here in Australia. And so after that, there was a decision to move the festival to late February, cool. which is the end of summer here in Australia. And that's sort of, that's quite important because it sort of marks kind of a, a move from just like commemorating overseas mm -hmm. queer movements and making it much more local. They've made it seasonally appropriate, unlike certain other holidays. <laughs> um, yes. Practical queers. Yeah. And it's, but I mean, it still is at the end of February, so to make sure it's not too, too dire and it's at night, so you're not marching in the sun. Mm -hmm. You know, the queers are very organised. Also, I mean, if you're going to have like, you know, you know, dudes in like, you know, go-go dancer outfits, like you can't be doing that shit in the middle of winter. No, no way. absolutely. And if you're going to be wearing like huge amounts of makeup and complicated costumes, you don't want to be marching in the heat of the day in summer. No way. Yeah, the queers know what they're about. <laughs> the early parts of, of Mardi Gras were really about, like, decriminalisation and that really basic queer liberation. Um, mm -hmm. In 82, parade organisers were still handing out advice sheets to participants in case they were arrested about what to do, about okay. what to do if they saw other participants get arrested. Like, this was, you know, it was still criminalised until 84. Interestingly, in 1983, the City of Sydney Council placed decorations around the parade route for the first time. Oh. Yeah, and the parade received $6,000 in funding from the Australia Council. And this is what? like... Yeah. And so this is the start of, like, I guess, people really understanding that it was this important arts and cultural event, you know, like that it had this huge worth. People would come to see it... Um, Obviously now it's that's what it is, mm -hmm. but yeah, I I found it really interesting that like City of Sydney Council and the Arts Council were supporting it even before decriminalisation had occurred in New South Wales. So this is interesting. Um, just kind of pulling on my basic knowledge of like deviant studies is that um, you do need for something to be framed as deviant, mm. you need um, sort of this feedback loop of like like the state needs to frame it as deviant but you also mm. need the public to also agree that it is deviant and usually when there are enough people like there's like usually like a certain amount of 
people who are saying, hey, this is actually fine, then that's usually when the state will begin to relent. But in turn, when people see the state being like, hey, actually, we support this, um, that's when you also get more of the public. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's this, it's this wonderful feedback loop. Obviously, I won't go too deep into it, but it's just interesting to hear this and to know that this this action by the council, like the local Sydney mm. council or whatever, like I think that could have really impacted the view of the broader community and also other, um, you know, government officials. Yeah, because it, it helps to normalise it. It helps to, like, and, and they were decorations. They weren't sort of like, just so you know, this is happening. It was, oh, this is, yeah, this, you know, the same way that they put up decorations for Lunar New Year. Yeah, um, yeah. It's That's interesting because so cool. for the, you know, the postal vote, you know, that whole mm. sort of year of hell, like, even though you had like, you know, chud fuckheads, you know, trying to, you know, trying to drum up negative, you know, sentiment, broadly people were just like, yeah, fuck yeah, why can't, why can't queer people get married? Uh, yeah. So that that was immensely reassuring, and uh, it was like Josie said, like you start to see even even people who I know are like conservative in other ways were just like, yeah, hell yeah, like it was it really was a point where everyone was just like, no, we think this is fine. Well, at least like sixty something percent. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's yeah. the thing is there had been overwhelming support for same sex marriage for years mm-hmm. before either of the two major governments, major parties were willing to do anything about it. Like there was, oh, there was so much cowardice on, on that. I'm still mad. Yeah, uh, it, it is a sore point and I look forward to doing an episode on that by itself. Sorry not to derail yeah. you. No, it's good. I'm sort of just trying to like go a little bit through some history stuff for it. So, so 84, New South Wales decriminalises homosexuality. That is when some of the, but that's also the start of the AIDS crisis in the early 80s and um, like obviously there's still there's still a lot of queer liberation stuff going on because even though it's decriminalized there's a lot of um, there's a lot of persecution of queer people in a lot of areas during the 80s and early 90s you also see um, a lot of AIDS education coming through Mardi Gras a lot of like a lot of parade floats calling for medication um uh, proper treatment and proper education about AIDS. In the 90s, at I think Fair Day, one year there was a very large amount of the AIDS quilt. Do you guys know about the AIDS quilt? No. The AIDS quilt is one of the biggest collective pieces of artwork what? ever created. And it, it started, I think in New York, people would start making squares for quilts when someone died of AIDS. Because a lot of the time, uh, there was nowhere to mourn people. Uh, oh. The bodies of people who died of AIDS were often put into pauper's graves. Uh, sometimes families would not acknowledge how people had died and either, you know, mm. gloss over it if they did pick up the body or not, or just abandon the body in general. Mm. Um, and it was also at a time where particularly in America, the government was not acknowledging that this huge crisis was occurring. Right, that's the Reagan era, right? Yeah. So people started making squares every time someone died. 
and there are AIDS quilts in cities all over the world. There's like, because people all over the world started doing it as well. Uh, there have been multiple occasions where squares of the quilt have been, and some of the squares are huge, like not little, but like big, big ones have wow. been brought together and, you know, it's like tacked together for a while and you you know, and it, it covers huge amounts. Um, like some people consider only bits of it that were made in New York to be the real AIDS quilt. What? But I think that, oh uh, yeah, but that's like, that's okay. <laughs> weird old New York queers who think that that city invented gay. Oh, it, it's it's the uh, it's the Seppo thing, right? It's like a little bit. It's it's the it's, it's, it's only the AIDS quilt if it comes from the the New York region, the AIDS region of New York. Um, That's right. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a sparkling gay death shroud. I don't know. Sorry to get more. Yeah. Busy. Yes, it is. A lot of the time, it is a sparkling gay death shroud because they. Um, That's what I want <laughs> for myself. There's like panels with glitter on them. They're all they're beautiful. Like it's it's such a cool piece of artwork um there's bits of the sydney aids quilt squares up at st vincent's hospital in sydney wow. which is right down from taylor square where mardi gras goes that's beautiful ah i'm smiling so much <laughs> yeah it's this it's this really incredible artwork of mourning and protest and i love it yeah anytime i see part of it uh it's a really it's a really special experience um but yeah like bits of the aids quilt have been displayed at fair days and things like that. Like it's this thread of deep political protest has always been present in Mardi yeah. Gras. Like wow. there's such a an attempt to talk about it as just a big gay parade. And it is. It is it that too, big, but... <laughs> it can be a big gay parade, but can also be deeply serious. Yeah. By the mid nineties, it was becoming like a lot more, it was becoming, it was becoming a lot more famous. Mm -hmm. uh, it was becoming a an event that people would travel all over the world from all over the world to attend. You'd get more and more celebrities, both queer celebrities and also celebrities beloved by queers, attending. Was this was it televised by this point? I my earliest memory is seeing Dykes on Bikes on TV. Yes. Okay. So it was televised. It was broadcast on television for the very first time in 1994. Okay. Ah. And um, it was broadcast the day after the parade. So mm. it, was on, it was on a Sunday night and it was at 8.30pm on the ABC. Oh. My parents let me stay up and watch it. Beautiful. I was in year six. And there was so much con uh, controversy around this. Oh. Um, there was a petition by 90 federal members of parliament to have the, the broadcast time changed to like I think after 10 p.m. or something. Oh, you know, to protect the children. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean that time, failed. It's a time slot that yes. no one watches. Also, um, clearly they didn't know about like they didn't listen to our SBS movies episode. Kids will stay up. Yeah. No matter what, to watch something that they are typically forbidden from watching. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say I was also going to ask like when it started to be televised because uh. I wonder if they're, you know, the making a controversy over them broadcasting it probably made people more aware of it because as a yeah. kid, I became aware of the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras because they were doing parody sketches of it on Full Frontal. And the only um, one I, yeah. the only one I remember was like, you know, not super gross, like Full Frontal, you and I are going to have to do an episode about that, Jules. Oh, I don't absolutely. I don't think Josie's going to yeah. hack that. I have, I, I, I is that the, sorry, is that the one that Poyter? 
Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, Eric but Garner I can also Shomakawa. had you. Yeah. <laughs> it also had Magda Zhabanski, so you know, it had Yeah. It had had queer comedians on it who were not necessarily out then, but like it's it's not too bad. Yeah. For Australia. Yeah, I chiefly remember one sketch where it was like they made Barbie dolls of of the dykes on bikes, and I just chiefly remember it because I I found it funny. I, looking back, it's like it's it was sort of an innocent sketch because it's like a little girl saying like, you know, they're like, and you can put tattoos on them, and a the little girl saying, I put one on her bottom, and I just because <laughs> oh, bums, bums are funny. Yeah, yeah, bums I are funny. I still laugh at bums. <laughs> God, I want to make a a dykes on bikes Barbie doll now. Oh my God. I'll Absolute do one if you do one. Yeah. <laughs> Join me at the mini painting table. Yes, your, yes. your partner. Oh, just no. Your partner's oh, no. of all the shit you need. Oh. Oh. No, I've been sucking in. Yeah, the they, the show. Join they us. got us. I have to say that, like, it's possible that people did have a point about not letting kids watch Mardi Gras because I'm glad to watch it now. I'm like this, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, what was your motivation to watch Mardi Gras? I don't know about you, Jules, but I was someone where I'm like, oh, no, I, I just really need to watch um, Aerobics Oz style really yeah. intently for no reason at all. But I, I think, knew. I knew. I think, I mean, my parents let me stay up to watch it with them. Like, they... Oh. I think, you know, because, again, like... We were like by that point we were in the Central West, but I was originally my family was originally from Newtown. Um, my dad was ah. like like my dad's an artist who's mm-hmm. like worked in media and like arts. I think they were just and and he's really like politically progressive, and I think they were just like this is really important. Oh, cool! Hell yeah! You should you should watch the important thing. Um, yeah. You know, like yeah, and I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I love costumes. I love art. I love, you know, all of that stuff. And I love, I love protest politics. Yes, it is the intersection of everything you care about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just like, this is for jewels. Yeah. Um, and as you've said on a previous episode, like, of course, kids are going to watch it because, like, they're, you know, they're wearing costumes. They're, you know, doing crazy stuff. It's all really high level. And it's like yeah. you said, the kids like it because it's not boring. Yeah. And sometimes, like, sometimes you might see a bum, which is funny. It you is. know, bums are funny. You're not wrong, Josie. <laughs> the parade is still, it's, it's huge. It's some, of the, it's some of the most hardcore queer art. Maybe not hardcore, but definitely, like, most high concept. Mm-hmm. There's been, if you, if you want to just Google pictures of Mardi Gras, you'll see some of the, the coolest shit. I'm going to do that after we finish recording. Oh, that's another thing about the first broadcast. That year, Hey Hey It's Saturday had plans to cut to the to a bit of the protest during its show. Oh. And yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know the context of this. So, and I don't know if they did it, but the Cadbury Schweppes Corporation uh, withdrew advertising oh, from the show because they did cops. that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, just to be clear, uh, Hey Hey It's Saturday wanted to cut to the anti-Mardi Gras protest. No, just a little bit of the parade. Just, or maybe to make fun of it or just be like, hey, check this out, you know. I imagine that their handling of it would not have been nuanced. Flawless. Might be a bit problematic. <laughs> yeah, it, it could have just been a like, ah, look at the poofters. Just the fact that they were going to show any part of it at all got advertising pulled. 
Because that mm-hmm. was the thing about Hey Hey It's Saturday is like they were to some extent savvy of like current events and stuff yeah. they could kind of hitch their wagon to. So yeah, it, it might not have been, you know, I, I imagine it would be on par with like the footy show. So like, you know, yeah. dad level A, check out these gays. Yeah. But oh uh, god damn, but they, but yeah, they backed out because they lost sponsorship as a result. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like. I don't know if they backed out, actually. Yeah, I, I couldn't find if that went ahead. And I didn't want to, like, delve too far into Hey yeah. in case I had to watch some of it. Yeah, no, no, no. The, um, I'll renew the account. Don't worry. I'll, we can have it yeah. just stand by. <laughs> yeah. And we can go, Ugh. But, yeah, like, it was it was becoming more mainstream and, and less controversial or, like, mm. less mainstream controversial. There was still, obviously, like, huge conservative backlash. Oh, Yeah. A figure who was famous in Mardi Gras is a guy called the Reverend Fred Nile, later the Senator Fred Nile. Do you guys know about Fred Nile? Have you heard of him? Uh, no, no, I don't. Yeah, he's a he's a New South Wales and Sydney figure, so it's fine if people have never heard of him. He he was a a reverend with the so my understanding is that with the Uniting Church, there's part of it that it's extremely progressive and Mm -hmm. has like queer reverends and is really really inclusive Mm -hmm. and there's another part that's incredibly conservative yeah yeah because it really is just an amalgamation of all these protestant things that you are going to get like hardcore methodists still being in positions of power so fred nile was for a lot of years kind of the chief antagonist of mardi gras he was the villain. <laughs> he was the he was absolutely the villain. So in 1985, he suggested that the parade be cancelled and replaced by compulsory public lectures for gay people about AIDS. I mean, uh, I guess like good on you for like doing some like public health awareness. I promise it would not have been. Um, no, <laughs> it, it absolutely would have been about how it was a punishment from God. Oh, and also the yeah. fact singling out like the queer community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There were, there was not going to be any like wear condoms, get tested. Yeah, you know? like, no, no, no. There was this was not health messaging. No. This was sin messaging. Also, uh, the queers have that covered anyway, Freddie. Yeah, he used to stand with a group of people at the front of the parade every year and pray for rain to wash the, the parade out. Okay, okay, fucking Noah. Yeah, but <laughs> also, ironically, it only ever, the parade's only ever been fully rained out once, and mm-hmm. I think that was in, like, or and, and it was only rescheduled, it wasn't cancelled, and that was, like, a couple of years before he started doing this. Oh, that's funny. So, like, and every, you know what, every so often it would rain because it's the end of February in Sydney, but the parade still went ahead. Please, God, please make the gays all soaking wet. Please, yeah. please, I'd hate oh, no. it if they were glistening. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, it allowed them to dance. They were sweaty and it allowed them to dance even harder. God, that would be great. Because of this, he was the focus of parade floats a number of times. Because if you, if you make a really big noise about how much you hate Mardi Gras, you will end up in Mardi Gras. Beautiful. Yeah. And um, so in... 1989 there was this giant he he was made into a giant paper mache head yes that was being carried on a platter of fruit 
Oh, beautiful. Amazing. Yep. And it was being carried by parade officials and being danced around by a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Oh, my gosh. Do you know about them? No, but I'm guessing. They were a queer group who looked like nuns. Yeah. Yes. They dress as nuns. and yes. And they are actually kind of considered to be queer nuns because they they definitely administered to the sick and poor, particularly during Mm. the AIDS crisis. Wow, Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just for our um, other listeners who might not know a whole lot about queer history, a lot of nuns, lesbians. Oh, so many. Yeah. Oh, no, I have to live with all these women for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I had a great aunt who was a nun. Oh. Um, Yeah, and I at my at my great uncle's funeral, I I asked her about like why she became a nun, and she was like, "Well, I didn't have to get married to a man, and I got an education, and I got to be a teacher." Exactly. Yeah, and I'm like, the older nuns I knew were always like the most hardcore feminists. Yes, they're so done with with priests. So I love that connection there. Uh, that that leads quite well into my next little Fred Nile thing, which is that so later that year, later in 1989, because he was so mad about it that six months later, <laughs> um, he held an anti-gay rally that he called his Cleansing March of Witness for Jesus. Doesn't um, exactly roll off the what a tongue. better name. What are you I doing? know, that does not roll off the tongue like Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah. um, and he had, you know, he had a few hundred people there. It was counter-protested by several thousand yeah, queer protesters. Doodlehead. Yep, who were wearing Fred Nile masks. Oh my gosh. And chanting, 2468, are you sure your priest is straight? <gasps> I <Yeah>. have... <laughs> my heart is soaring. Yeah, it's so good. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was another Fred Nile float uh, in 1996 that depicted him as a caged animal with huge artificial genitalia. That's very funny. <laughs> he would have been so mad. I know, he would have been so mad. He would have been yeah. so mad. It's beautiful. <laughs> like, it's so easy to... Um, yeah, and this is the thing, is that there was, like, for for such a long time, what I remember most about Mardi Gras is these political floats, these, like, big political statements where people were doing this this tongue-in-cheek stuff that was like it was serious and it was about serious issues but they were being so fucking funny about it mm-hmm. which is like which which is i think really important um in 1988 which was uh if you remember your australian history the bicentenary of um of invasion oh mardi gras had its first first nations float oh and that's yeah okay yeah it was created and run by um, the Aboriginal dancer and activist Malcolm Cole, who was part of a huge amount of Indigenous arts and dance organisations. Okay. And he dressed as Captain Cook (laughs) and recreated the arrival of the First Fleet with a float shaped like the Endeavour, crewed by First Nations people being pulled along the road by a white man. (laughs) Wow. And white people were furious. Oh, my God. That's so – I was expecting, like, way more – something, like, way more – not bold, but you know what I mean. I mean, but that was – that was pretty big, though. Like – Oh, 100%. Like, that's how sensitive, like, settlers are. It's like, oh, no. Objectively, it's not that – 
controversial, but... For the time. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. One of the things he said was, it's enough trouble being black and it's also a lot of trouble being gay. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, like, I like that as this sort of piece of intersectionality, like yes. an, an understanding there. There have been, like, First Nations floats and organisations in the parade ever since. Yes. Sorry, just quickly, like, hearing that, because, like, I, before you even said it, I'm like, there we go, that's, like, intersectionality, right? Um, and I, I guess just want to point out is, like, any of these quote-unquote, like, you know, theoretical terms or whatever, not that I think intersectionality yeah. is necessarily yeah. in theory, there are people who are living this thing yeah. uh, and, and acknowledge it. it don't, they might not necessarily have the name for it. Mm. Um, I guess I just want to point that out as, like, yeah, fuck yeah. Mardi Gras, in a lot of its messaging, and and definitely modern Mardi Gras, can it can come across as an event that you know, or something that's only about white cis gays, maybe white mm-hmm. cis lesbians. But queer people are such a diverse community. There have been so many different, so many different like political causes that have been championed by Mardi Gras. Like one year, I think in the like the late 90s or early 2000s, there was a First Nations float where the the slogan was sweeties for a treaty. Oh, wow. So like specifically calling for, for political change that affected them because, yes. yes, you know. Absolutely. There have been other things like there's been um, reproductive and abortion rights, mm-hmm. lobbying for like during the AIDS crisis for the government to provide treatment and medicine education, um, mm-hmm. sex worker rights. There are a lot yes. of queer sex workers. Yes. And there have also been like specifically queer issues. I mean, marriage equality was a big one. Like they started, I think, I feel like they started calling for marriage equality at some point in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And also like for a long time, there was the push to lower the age of consent to six of homosexual consent to 16 which is what it yes. is for straight people in australia yes yes and now there's uh, there is or there should be more of an ongoing push for trans rights yeah absolutely during the decriminalization push people weren't necessarily asking for um for marriage equality because there was a more pressing issue and i remember when the marriage equality stuff first started being talked about like when people, which was like shortly after, like we said earlier, Tasmania only decriminalised in 97. I'm old enough that I remember a lot of that debate on the news. And it oh. was disgusting. Like it was I filthy. can't imagine. Yeah. You know, and I remember during early calls for marriage equality, people going, well, isn't it enough that it's not illegal anymore? No. <laughs> That's what we're no, saying. No. But, <laughs> but now that we have marriage equality, you will hear people going, well, isn't it enough that we have marriage equality? And the point is, mm-hmm. no, no it's we're going to keep demanding more and more rights until, like, till we fix shit. And if we never fix shit, we're going to keep fighting. I really like the bits of Mardi Gras history that are the most political. Um, yes. I like the stuff where they're not pandering to the mainstream middle and mm-hmm. trying to, you know, make themselves as uncontroversial as possible as possible because all of these things like it's unthinkable these days the idea that homosexuality would be criminalized it's almost like at at this point even though it's only been like five years it's kind of unthinkable the idea that like we didn't have marriage equality Mm. yeah you know like things will change and people will be like oh yeah okay 
but it only changes because people fought people made such a fuss and they made such a beautiful fuss of it mm-hmm yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be a little bit political for a little bit longer. And then I'm Go going to talk it. about party culture. The organisation itself, Sydney Mardi Gras, and I'm going to talk about this a lot in the next episode. Okay. There's a lot of controversy about who is included. Like there was like membership has been for like originally it was for, for gay and lesbian people. It was originally called like the Gay Mardi Gras Association or the Gay Liberation Association. Right. And in um, 88, it was for, it was uh, the, the gay, it was the Sydney Gay Mardi Gras Association. And in 88, they changed it to include the word lesbian. Okay. Lesbians had been part of it, but hmm. they were like, we, we want to be directly acknowledged here, which is fair. However, and this is something I'm cross about, bisexual people were barred from membership until 2002. What? Yep. Yep. Excuse me? Yep. So I was around crushing on Fran Fine. Yeah. And I... Okay. Uh, And this, this, like, this, like, spread out into other organisations. I was in first year uni in 2001, and Mm -hmm. I was, like, a little baby bisexual from the country, and I hopped up to Sydney Uni, and I signed up for Queer Society, and I was like... Bisexuals are allowed, right? And they're like, uh... What? Look, we don't really like it. You're allowed, <laughs> but if you have a opposite-sex partner, you're not allowed to come to queer spaces. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not kidding. Don't think it needs saying, but, like, not only yeah. is being queer a very personal and political thing and yeah. encompasses everything in your life, really, it's like, you know, if I'm seen out and about with a a partner who is not a dude yeah a cis dude people onlookers don't care that i'm oh well actually i'm technically bisexual so you can't like do a hate crime on me yeah like what no that's not how that works yeah <laughs> what the and fuck? like bisexual people um like there's 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 a lot of stats that bisexual women are at huge risk from partner violence mm-hmm. more than more than um straight women during the AIDS crisis, bisexual men in particular were um, were heavily demonised. Oh yeah, by the straight community in particular, and then kind of rejected by the gay community <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because of that. And there's been a lot of like within the queer, within the gay, yeah, the gay community. Let's call it the gay community for this. Why bit. not? <laughs> um, the gay community has a a history of rejecting people who are not cis gays yeah. and yeah bisexuals were a big part of that uh intersex people there was the first intersex float and it was first officially acknowledged in do you want to know what year 2005 i'm gonna say 2005 lucas have you got one uh look i'm drawing upon because one of my one of my uni yeah. uh tutors is intersex so and you know ah. and uh you know, I believe their work had a big part in, like, making it clear. So I want to say, nice. like, late aughts. Yep. 2011. Ah, going by Price is Right rules, you definitely got it, Lucas. Yay. Yep. <laughs> the shitty yeah, prize. Um, it's also had a very big, it's had a big problem with including trans people. <laughs> very, very good, very big on having a lot of drag performers. Oh, many of whom are trans. Mm-hmm. Like 
not not all drag performers are trans, absolutely, and definitely not all trans people do drag. That is yep. very important. There's there's a bit of the Venn diagram, you know, um, and in you know, and for a lot of people, drag is a a, a part of figuring out some gender stuff, but mm-hmm. especially historically, for a lot of trans people as, um, who want to be entertainers, it, it's a field where you can actually find gainful employment. Um, yeah. It is difficult for a lot of trans people to to stay employed because of persecution and discrimination against them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of so there's a lot of drag performers at Mardi Gras who are beloved and made a very big deal about but historically not great on trans rights despite there mm-hmm. being yeah there were trans people at the original march in 78 <laughs> that is so insulting <laughs> so insulting tapping into like broader queer culture i mean i know it was only like mm. a few years ago that like you know rupaul you know got very you know uh importantly dunked and rightfully dunked upon for like suggesting you know trans people shouldn't be on drag race and you know and has yes. has had to be sort of dragged in the correct direction uh, after accidentally posting the train flag. Uh, so so yeah, I I appreciate these are. Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, this is so funny. Oh, you're gonna love this. Um, oh no! Oh my gosh. Rue got dragged for because Rue was famously not trans inclusive. Like yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Trans drag artists were not allowed on drag race and there were a couple of queens who hid the fact that they were trans oh sweeties yeah um in order to perform part of this is because rupaul's form of of drag the style that he does is is called female impersonation Mm -hmm. um which is you know about trying to look like a woman as much as possible um it is one form of drag it is definitely not the most interesting form of drag (laughs) um in my opinion he basically considered people transitioning as a form of cheating oh fuck off you know because you're getting hormones instead of and and surgeries instead of padding Uh and i mean look at that man's face that man has had some surgery like (laughs) let's be real the thing is that he is also like an older cis gay mm. man who has been mm-hmm. dragged kicking and screaming into the modern world and there's there's so many there's so many trans queens yeah like on on drag race and, yeah yeah um, yeah and he's he's had to like a couple of seasons ago there was also a um like there's a lot of trans feminine queens trans women but a few seasons ago there was a transmasculine drag queen. Oh. Um, yeah, a man named Gottmik, who's a trans man who um, transitioned and, and does drag. There's a lot, like, that's the thing. That's amazing. Drag and gender is so complicated and there are a whole lot of people who who will transition and then do, do drag as their assigned gender because they're like, oh, no, 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 this is fun. I just don't want people thinking I'm this all the time. Yeah, that's reasonable. Like, the, yeah, sure. And it's quite funny that part of what, you know, and now now RuPaul's all like, oh, we're so inclusive, we're so amazing, <laughs> we're, like, promoting rights for everything. And I'm like, you had to be, you had to have your feet held to the fire to get on board yes, with this, mate. Yes. Like, And it's that sort of energy that's, like, ongoing in Mardi Gras, right? Yes, very much. But I'm going to talk a lot about that in the next episode. Okay. I'm going to be 
such a bitchy queer. It's going to be great. Can't wait. <laughs> we talked about the Dykes on Bikes for a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. they were first included in 1988. Um, mm-hmm. Well, the first time they a, a chapter started and, and asked to be part of it. It's not like they were like, let us in, and the parade was like, no, you can't. Um, they were inspired by the San Francisco Dykes on Bikes, which have a very oh. long history. Dykes on Bikes have... They they lead the parade. They start yes. Mardi Gras and they start Pride in San Francisco, and they usually start most parade at uh, Pride parades around the world. Yeah, the only experience I have at Pride, it had dikes on bikes at the front, and I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, and the reason is historically, it's because they were there to keep the protest safe from cops wow. and um and and you know homophobes. Because, like, a bunch of very, very stern dykes in leather on motorbikes is quite intimidating. <laughs> they're yeah. so they're so cool, and in like, and they continue to do that. There's a there's the Sydney Dykes on Bikes chapter uh, has been doing this thing where there are a couple of swimming pools in Sydney that run a monthly free queer inclu- queer and trans inclusive swim night. Amazing you can come and you can swim and it's it's for queer and trans people and it's to make sure that like you are definitely like not only are those are those swimming pools like attempting to be trans inclusive in general but it's like you're you're not going to cop shit from you know randos the sydney dykes on bikes have been providing community protection and safety out the front of them i love them even more yeah like it's really beautiful and that stuff is is really continues to be necessary. Like you're yes. you're seeing all around the world and in Australia as well, um, there has been protests and and threatened violence against Drag Queen Story Hour. Uh, there have been a few Drag Queen Story Hour events in Queensland and Victoria that have been called off at the last minute because uh, fascists were threatening violence against them mm-hmm. and. At those occasions, there's been a really good and beautiful turnout, members of the public, queers and other supportive people providing solidarity. Um, In America, there are groups providing really serious community safety and protection and like escorts for families between their cars and drag queen story hours. Yeah. Just quickly to sort of, I will tie this back to Mardi Gras. Um, Like you mentioned one of the, drag queen story times in um in queensland one of them had a he was an adult but he was a young man uh and he was identified as being one of the people who was harassing these mm, drag queens yes um and a few days later he died by suicide yeah uh tragically uh and he was actually a young gay man and i remember something that um sally rugg uh wrote mm. and it was just about how sad like it was that like he was still one of us but and like obviously the hate should be condemned but it's just like it's still it's still sad because it's another and he's been poisoned by all this untrue false rhetoric and fear um but it just reminds me of like i guess i just want to bring that up because it's like even in this instance you have queer person causing harm to other people in their own community we are all in the same community and so seeing like hearing about that streak continuing 
uh, in the Mardi Gras doesn't surprise me, but it's disappointing all the same. One of the ex- extra sad things about that is like when you, I can't remember his name, but it was like Griffin Wesley something. He had the most posh fucking like Tory name. So it was like, okay, oh, yeah. it, it sucks. Cause like you were clearly probably like knew you were gay from an early age, but you were so clearly in this environment that would have been like so hostile to that. Yeah, and the other people he was protesting with were all, like, young liberals, young nationals, and, mm-hmm. you know, like, wealthy... Outright fascists in some... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, very, like, quite wealthy, privileged, conservative yes. young men. Some of whom are making names for themselves in the Queensland Liberal and National Parties. And uh, some of which who are friends of Drew Pavlou. Yes, exactly. Um, man, we need a whole episode on him. Oh, fuck. Oh, but it's going to be a bonus because if that motherfucker's yeah. going to listen to it, he can pay. That's true. That's fair. Um, <laughs> oh, but I, I have so yeah. much to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's, you know, if if that kid had been able to go to a drag queen story time as a kid, he might not have hated himself so much. Yeah. You know, like that's Absolutely. the thing. That's why this visibility is so important. Seeing seeing things like Priscilla and seeing things like Mardi Gras on TV was so important for me as a young queer person. Like, just knowing mm-hmm. it was there, that yeah. it existed, and seeing people, like, celebrate it. Yeah. Because I was living, you know, in, a, in an area that was hugely homophobic. Yeah, just sort of knowing that something else is out there is so important. I, I don't know if there was any ever a plan to address this. I know someone in the Australian Gothic Discord was talking about how I believe it was like in the Lockyer Valley or something like that. There was a community there that wanted, you know, little country town, but like, you know, not remote, yeah. like an hour out of Brisbane, yeah. uh, you know, wanted to do, you know, uh, something for the Mardi Gras, like within the town, like a mm. mini version of it. And it was yeah. postponed because of like, oh, you know, you know, th- there are some people who might be sensitive to it. And it's just like, oh, come the fuck on. Like, it's- yeah, or... At least I, I think this is to come. I don't think anything's set in mm. stone, but there was pushback from the council, which I believe they had to get like permits and stuff from. Yeah. It's a shame. I hope that they're able to run it. And if they do, I will absolutely show up. Yeah. Sydney, Sydney Mardi Gras is, particularly for a long time, it was a real rite of passage. You know, I remember mm-hmm. like my first one when I was in first year uni was huge. And, and so exciting. But I feel like these days being able to go to one in a rural area, any kind of rural pride thing is so much more important. Um, oh, yeah. Last year, I I spent a week where I grew up with my girlfriend and I went into into town, into Orange. And I was oh, like, wow. yeah, and I was quite anxious about it because I hadn't really done that. And I saw, and like, and I don't go into Orange very much when I go, like I stay in the little town I grew up in I mostly just hang out with my family I went in and like there were so many obviously openly queer people amazing Um, and it's it's gentrified a lot and there there was Mm. an orange pride parade which is not an like an Irish Protestant thing just um (laughs) (laughs) a pride parade in the town in the city of orange um but I think it got disrupted due to COVID but there's plans to bring it back and I am I would love to go to that that's so sweet. In some rural areas, there's more acceptance. Um, during the Priscilla episode, we talked about how Broken Hill mm. has a Priscilla festival. Yeah. Like a giant pride festival and drag festival because of Priscilla. Like, change occurs. 
Yes, yes. Like I can see that change coming and I feel like it's it's not it's not inevitable in that like we don't have to do anything about it. But if we just keep doing the things we're doing and making these beautiful big protest parties. It is doing something. Yeah, it it is and it's like kids grow up seeing it, they grow up seeing it normalized and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's just that's just how it is." Yeah, um, absolutely. Don't be weird. Uh, just in terms of like, I've only been to one Pride uh, in my life and oh God, depressing fucking story um, overall. But the actual march itself was was really beautiful. Something that really was amazing was that like it was in Brisbane during the day. Would not recommend that. Ugh. Terrible decision. Should have Brutal. done it at least in the afternoon. So there's like a bit of shade and stuff. But yeah. um, it was really amazing because... It was still very much like there was a commercial aspect to it. So like, you know, fucking KPMG Mm -hmm. or like ANZ or had their like floats. Mm -hmm. It was amazing because there were entire families, multi-generations coming there. Obviously, you don't know which ones out of that family are queer or not queer, but it doesn't matter because they at the very least love a queer person or showing solidarity with other queer people. But the thing that like, it was really amazing to see that, um, and also seeing these like big burly dads with beards on the side of the march offering out like they they were like giving free hugs or anyone that needed a bit of like yes oh i love that stuff i burst out just like burst out in tears at the idea and i was like i can't do that i can't do that i got i got some work to do on myself before i'm up for that but i just thought that was so beautiful it's that stuff's really really gorgeous and there is all this um like there's real community acceptance and there's like there's a lot of straight people who understand that like they need to be part of this yeah you know there's a whole lot of like straight people shouldn't go to pride but i actually think they should i don't necessarily think they should march no that's a different because i'm going to get into stuff about the the queer after parties later i i think it's probably best for them not to go to the parties in case they (laughs) they you know get into a coma like i've marched a bunch of times and I love seeing the kids in the audience. Yes. I don't know if those, like, if you're a parent, you don't know if your kid is queer. Like, sometimes sometimes you can tell from a really young age if a kid is queer. Sometimes yeah, they oh, know no they're queer and they're telling you and things like that. But a lot of the time, you don't know. But, like, as a parent, you, it's, if, if you're straight and you maybe don't know a lot of queer people, going taking your kid to Mardi Gras, to Pride, whatever, is so important because you are you are implicitly telling them that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, I think it's also good to explicitly tell them this, but yes. you're telling them that, that you're going to be okay with it if they're queer, and mm-hmm. kids really need to know that. Also on a broader level, just being like, hey, you can show up for people, like yeah. even if it's not an issue that does not concern you yeah. personally, you can still show up for other people and other communities. I think yeah. that's really cool too. One of the biggest events for Mardi Gras that's not the parade is Fair Day, mm-hmm. and that's um that's been held in a few different parks over its over its history, and now it's held in um it's actually held in Camperdown Park, which is right next to the cemetery that I talked about <laughs> in um in the Priscilla episode. So synergy. Just a, yeah, synergy, and it's it's a family Fair Day. It is. There's so much cool stuff. There's a there's a dog fashion parade. Oh my god! And like, until you've seen queer people dressing up their dogs. Oh my god! It's <sighs> it's so this. good. And it's just this like 
it it's an event that's sort of known. Look, there's probably not going to be any real nudity because mm-hmm. there's nudity at the. I mean, I, I think not full nudity, but there's definitely you like see bums. <laughs> there's bums and boobs at Mardi Gras. It's just like there's a lot of really fun stuff. It's it's kid friendly. Everybody like people will come. People will. It's nice for queer fr- families who maybe have got little kids and can't get to the the parade or the parties. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You know, because I think that that gets overlooked in a lot of things is that there are queer people with kids. There's a oh, lot yeah. of queer people with kids. <laughs> There's one of them in the that's... in the in the podcast right now. Um, that's why I only have ever been to one Pride march. It was when my kid was seven. <laughs> yeah, this is why. I mean, but fortunately, you could you could you could take your kid to some drag queen story hour. Yeah, I could. He'd probably think it's very funny. People dressing up. That's cool. Yeah, costumes are great. Fair day is great. I last fair day I went to was God. It was before I moved to to Canberra. I think it was 2017. And some very pretty people applied a large amount of glitter to my face, and it was very Amazing. nice. And um, you know, yeah, there's like you know you can go and get glitter put put on you at a booth, things oh. like that, which is fun for whatever age you are. Yeah, and there's there's problems with fair day that I will talk about next episode. I'm trying to keep oh, yes. all my all my. <laughs> my problem stuff to next episode. And this is more historical stuff. Um, oh yeah. So just before I get to the party stuff, I talked a little bit about the, um, the effigies and, and depictions of Fred Nile. Yes. But um, for a very long time, for like particularly in the nineties the and the early two thousands, it was really, really common for particularly political conservatives to end up with a big float made of them making fun of them. Um, that has stopped, which is a big thing I'm going to talk about next episode. Mm. And okay. um, one of the most famous ones was the giant paper mache head of Pauline Hanson, which <gasps> debuted in 97 and was surrounded by people, like, dancing fish and chips. Oh, that is gorgeous. Yeah, and Pauline Pants Down, the, the drag yes. artist who based herself on P- Pauline Hanson, was was marching with the giant head like i believe um so you know like like that was wonderful uh 2004 seemed to be from what i could gather the best year for political weird oh, effigies okay um, this was 2004 and there were two things going on that year and one of them was the iraq war was about to kick off in oh, fact boy. it was like it was announced about a month later it started a month later, and there was a giant paper mache heads of John Howard and George W. Bush kissing each other. Ah, oh, okay, okay. There was also a Mark Latham float, because it was a federal election year, and he was leader of the Labour Party, surrounded by taxi drivers with their arms in car- plaster casts, referencing the, the fact that he had bashed a taxi driver. Oh. It, yeah. it's, so it's telling that people knew he was a thug knew he was a piece of shit like even my conservative radio host dad could tell like this guy is bad fucking news yeah (laughs) yeah like i think a lot of people bought into it because there were so many people who were just desperate for not john howard at that point but yes yeah it was not a great not a great alternative looking back (laughs) um And if you look at, like, his current political positions, which are vile and racist and hugely 
transphobic. Oh, they yeah. were right. He's... I mean, I don't yeah. know. Maybe he. Maybe that's what kicked it off. They made. He's mad because he was afloat, but he deserved to be afloat. Um, now this year there should be like a float of his head, and then on a different float is his family. Oh! Oh! <laughs> that is so good. That is so fucking funny. Oh my god, Lucas, that rules. They're right That's after so the dikes funny. and bikes. The dikes and bikes can surround it, and then he's yeah. right at the fucking end. Like, uh, yeah, because uh, he's divorced. Oh. Because he's a fuckwit. That's, that's so fucking funny. Yes. Which is fine. People should get divorced. But he's a yucky guy and I don't like him. So. <laughs> Some people are capital D divorced. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, divorced yeah. energy. Incredibly, like, already had that divorced energy before being divorced. So when... the fact that he is divorced is like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when he, like, when he made that divorce announcement, I think last year, <laughs> year before at some point. The, the last few years all mushed together in my brain. My first thought was like, how is he not already divorced? Right? Yeah, no, he's, he's, he is one of Australia's most, like, he is one of Australia's most divorced men. Yes. Spiritually, in, mentally. In terms of intensity, not in terms of number of divorces. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, I just want to ask, like, the, the discontinuing of the bus of political figures do you think that, I mean, we'll probably get into this in the next episode about, like, you know, has yeah. has civility politics kind of influenced? Yes, yeah, probably, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. I figured. Oh, no, I've got, I've got dirt. Like, not secret information, I want to be clear. Just, like, <laughs> I haven't, like, I, I haven't, you know, hacked anything and obtained documents. Just, yes. like, this is, this is fairly widely known within members of Mardi Gras but oh gosh I cannot wait oh it's, Jules, it's good you shit. know like I love the joy and it's making me happy I haven't stopped smiling but you know I love talking about what's shitty about the thing I love yeah absolutely <laughs> and it's important and you can you can love stuff while also being like and it's shitty and here's yes. why it's shitty and this is what we need to fix yeah exactly it's like, you can love your ho the home that you're in and still know that you need to clean the toilet <laughs> you know amazing <laughs> in fact and cleaning the toilet will probably make you love your home more yes yes and I, I do want to acknowledge to my housemates that I am really bad at cleaning the toilet so that's on me um but like <laughs> otherwise they'll they'll be like ah Jules and Jules, what are you um, talking about? come on that's that's a lot of stuff about the parade as I've mentioned um there were a lot of one of the ways that initially Mardi Gras started funding itself uh, was parties, huge, huge fundraiser parties, where you know you'd you'd buy a ticket and the proceeds would go towards permits and licenses and costumes and floats and things like that. Uh, it's very expensive to put Mardi Gras on. Like this is like a lot of stuff goes into it. One of the big, big parties, like fundraiser parties in decades i think it's actually it seems to have now closed but i don't know if that's real or if i just couldn't find info on it uh was a chapter of sleazeball which is a queer party from new york and berlin and the point of oh. sleazeball was that it was this big gay part like pre predominantly gay as in gay male party but it could be for anyone and um they had music and dancing and famously places set aside for you to have sex Amazing. Yeah. And the first sleazeball in Sydney was held in 1983 as a fundraiser. 
And that was when it was still, like, homosexual sex was still criminalised. Jeez, that's risky, right? Risky, but brave as hell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, as in, like, they risk being put in prison. (laughs) So Sleazeball used to, yeah, and it was held in, like, September, October, you know, the other side of the Mardi Gras, like, season to start raising money. There have been a lot of other parties that do that. These days... I think a lot of the parties sort of do their own thing and it's less about raising money. And next episode, I'm going to talk about where Mardi Gras gets its money these days. But um, I do think we actually do need to return to community funding because like having a party to raise money for something is the coolest shit ever. It's the best Mm -hmm. way to have a fundraiser. It's so much fun. Um, Party culture for Mardi Gras is huge. It's some of the biggest deal. Like, I have not marched in the parade since, like, I think 2013 might have been the last year. Um, I find, you know, crowds are a lot, and I've done it so many times that I'm like, whatever. But when I go to Mardi Gras these days, it's it's for parties. There's a huge after party at what was the New South Wales, like the Sydney Showgrounds, but is now Fox Studios, because that's the end of the parade route. Right, okay. And by the early 90s, like, it started off as, like, there was one party at the end. And by the early 90s, there were so many different parties going on that it would take over, like, all the big venues out there. Like, one of which is, like, the Horden Pavilion, which is a giant concert venue. Like, tens of thousands of people. What? At these parties. Like, huge. I can't even fathom that. I think, historically, in order to get a ticket to those parties, you had to be a member of the Mardi Gras Association. So you had to be a gay. Um, right, okay. Yeah, and I think these days you can go to those parties if you've marched in the march. But right. again, I haven't been I haven't been in the march in over a decade. There are also a whole lot of other parties that are like those the ones out at the out at Fox Studios are very they do tend towards being a little bit more cis gay. Right. Cis gay male which is not... And, and white, I imagine. Yeah, pre- predominantly. Um, I have tended to go to Mardi Gras parties in the inner west of Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. At least one year I went to one at the Imperial Hotel, which is the pub at the beginning of Priscilla. And Beautiful. it was absolute, it absolutely ruled. Um, they're just some of the best parties you'll ever go to. They're They're so much fun. They're so queer and so safe. At one point that year, I think that was like early 2017 the the marriage equality had set up this you could take you could write a little like note to Malcolm Turnbull on a little placard and get your photo taken with it but you could also write a note to him and put it in an envelope full of glitter that was going to be sent to him oh yeah yeah and that was really fun and I remember that when I was at that party at one point an entire women's AFL team who had been marching arrived at this party Oh my god. And it was the only experience in my life of a footy team showing up at a pub and the vibe getting better. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were very popular. Everyone was very excited. Oh yes. Yeah, like those those the parties that I go to tend to be a bit more like queer, dikey, not just cis gay, cis male gay. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of those parties are and there's like there were parties that were that had big parts of the leather scene. Like, I think Sleazeball mm. had large amounts of the leather community uh, involved in it, which is a pretty 
kink heavy community if people don't know so when when we asked people about mardi gras memories on on twitter a friend of mine responded with one word which is trough man uh, oh dear. so no, it's okay it's okay so trough man was a very well-known figure in sydney's gay leather underground scenes and mm-hmm. also then at mardi gras or at the mardi gras after parties and trough man was a man who enjoyed water sports see this is what exactly what i pictured when you said trough man <laughs> He got his name because what he liked to do at the parties was just lie down in the urinal trough. Oh, in okay. In the toilets. Yep. Wow. And just... Was he sleeping or was he awake? Oh, he's awake. And he's having a great... Oh, he's having the time of his life. I'm, I'm now remembering again. I, I think yeah. I bring this up way too often, <laughs> but... Um... Do you remember? I think it was like fucking last year, or the year before, and it was like that jazz band that like, oh, yeah. and like the singer pissed on this guy, and the guy yeah. was under her, and he was like, he had reached nirvana or something. He was yeah. so happy. Well, he he she she yelled out into the audience, "Who wants to be pissed on?" And, and he <laughs> volunteered, and yeah, um, he was stoked. I was really angry when everybody pressured her later into like apologizing for it i'm like no both those parties were having a great time <laughs> so good on trough man as long as everyone peeing agreed to it as well yeah i mean i think there were other urinals you could use yeah if you don't yeah. want to pee on trough man you just... yeah and like and, and that's the thing is that these were spaces where queer sex that was out of the norm could occur you know mm-hmm. and by this point like the cops weren't trying to you know, get yeah. anyone. But in a lot of places in, in Sydney, sex on premises is banned. Um, there are some brothels where it's legal, but, you know, there's there's some gay sex clubs, but not a lot. And I think it's quite beautiful that Trough Man could... Trough Man could still exist. He, yeah, he... and that, like, Trough Man's got a wiki entry. No way. Way. He's known. He's famous. Like, that's the thing is that they're, you know, obviously people who hate if they knew about Trough Man, they'd just be completely disgusted. But the thing is, Trough Man's not hurting you. He's just doing his thing. He's just doing his thing. And also, straight people like to get pissed on too. Hate to break it to you. <laughs> yeah, it's a the instant comeback to like any any reactionary expressing the sentiment of like, oh, the stuff they do is deviant. It's like, no, motherfucker, straight people do a lot of this shit too. Like, Yeah. Yeah, you're just not included, and that's fine. It's like, I'm sorry that you don't know how to have interesting sex, but that's not my problem. And, <laughs> and I'll also stand in for the queers who like to have boring sex. That's okay <laughs> as well. It's allowed. It's legal. It's been decriminalised in Queensland since, uh, what was it, 1989. What boring um, sex. You no yeah. longer have to have your foot in a bear trap to get off. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> need a truck to run over me. <laughs> Ideally, a truck with a like I don't know a Joe Bielke Peterson head made out of paper mache on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, amazing. <laughs> that's I think like everything I I had to cover. It all got a little bit all over the place, but um, no, I think it was great. Yeah, that's that's Mardi Gras. It's a whole lot of parties. It's a big parade. There's conferences. There's all kinds of non-party events that go around it and i guess if i had anything to spruik for this episode it's find out 
where your local pride event is mm-hmm. and go to it. Even yeah. If you're straight, just go along. Just go. Have it's fun. fun. Just fun. do a David Attenborough even. Yeah. Just like just, just an unbiased observation. Um, Cause like, I love, I love that like the Queensland pride March is, I don't even fucking know what month it is, but it's on a different month. Yeah. Um, but I still call February pride month. You can have yeah. multiple. Yeah. Um, and that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm just it's, imagining um... David Attenborough observing trough man. <gasps> you don't that have to piss on him, rocked. but if you can, if he wants Oh, to. an errant stream has reached his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I had such a great time. I have so many things to Google and I have so many pictures I'm going to look at and I'm so excited. And thank you so much, Jules, because I know you put a lot of care into this um, and hard work and I would just really appreciate it because it's stuff that I wouldn't know otherwise. So I loved it. I love telling people queer history. Um, I won't shut up about it. Congratulations well, on yeah. your first hosted like properly run yeah. australian gothic episode fuck yeah oh shit yeah you made me um, dive amazing. on a bike <laughs> i was happy from the get-go i i loved it i had a great time and uh listeners i hope you enjoyed it as well yes tune in for part two coming later this month mm. 